Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host, and today I'm going to show off my brand new album, Digital Purgatory. It's by my group, The Illusionists. We've been kind of on hiatus, working on and off these last few years, and we got back together for our 10th anniversary. We dropped this album and had a reunion show on the 2nd of February, and we're going to talk all about that with my man, Evil. Howdy. Oh, man, the intro music isn't... You don't play it, and you just dub it in later? Yeah. Oh. Haven't you done this before? Uh, You've done y- this before. Yeah, but I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember anything. Really. <laughs> All right, so... For those of you who don't know, the the, the no uh, Sammy Warmhands music or, or, or whatever, I won't, I won't quite say I started rapping in a group, but right after I started rapping, <laughs> I formed a group... <laughs> How long was that anyways? I mean, like 99 years to to ill. How long was that? Weeks. Yeah, because you busted that thing out, didn't you? Sleep rocking anyway. But 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 my, my first rap record, I started writing November 06. I wrote through most of 07 mm-hmm. and was like, well, that was fun. And then threw it away. And Eric Munch, who had made a lot of the beats, was like, what, what the fuck? You're not going to put it out? Uh, I was like, no, nobody should ever hear this. this is, <laughs> My God. This no. is just bullshit. You know, it's for fun. And he's like, well, will you send me the project files so so I can mix it? I was like, if, if you fucking really want to, go ahead. <laughs> I like you, and, but you're stupid. Yeah, and like Gabe had one track on there. Gabe is Web Beats. We we just were both really, really into the Beastie Boys and that kind of old school vibe. And it was like the one kind of old school vibe track on the album. And that came out in January 08 in a Literally, like the first week of February or something, I was like, "Hey, uh, I noticed you got that Batman tattoo from Frank, <laughs> Frank Miller. You That's look like cool. a dork. Have you ever, uh, have you ever done this uh, Danny Elfman stuff?" He's like, "No, I've sampled everything, but never that." I was like, mm. "Okay." So I grabbed it on my lunch break. I gave it to him, and he went home at five o'clock, and I was closing, and he brought back uh, the first track that night, and yeah, we, dude, it was, right. it was. Probably three or four weeks that we wrote that whole first album. That's so crazy. So I like that um, you've always talked to me like when I came in and started writing with you that you felt kind of encouraged, like like I lo- I liked what you were doing and I wasn't opposed to saying the same things that you were saying, and we made like a good partnership. Also, like that. Gabe must have done the same thing. Like he listened to 99 years and wasn't turned off in any way. He's, know, like, right? he's like, yeah, yeah, I like this. I see some sort of potential <laughs> quote fingers. I think it's it's almost just kind of lucky that I was the one who happened to find him, you know, because yeah. we, you know, just we worked together and whatever, but we we mm-hmm. didn't like hang out or know each other that well. You know, it was all just some random conversation and he'd be like, you know, we played a show together, right? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> uh, He's like, yeah, you were in high school. I was in monkey torture filling in temporarily. And I was uh-huh. like, what? He's no. like, yeah, dude, we played at North Eugene High School. I was like, so I set up that show and I don't remember you. I was like, I remember the other guy yeah. who was in the band for a long time. I don't remember you. <laughs> I, that's funny because I did this. I did the same thing. Like I, I have these, this memory of dude wearing like an army guy hat, like a World War II army helmet playing the drums. Uh-huh. And uh, Gabe would say something about drumming and monkey torture. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you from the show and army 
hat and he's like no that wasn't me that's the other guy <laughs> like damn it yeah like, no i don't man. but that I'm blew sorry. my mind when he told me that because like we well to go to go all the way back with me and gabe uh i think it was 07 thaddeus he was a guest on the show a long time ago thaddeus morris Pratt city studios hmm. he was uh, a reference on somebody's resume and i called him up and i was like hey man this guy uh, gabe morley just applied to be hired here what do you uh, what do you think uh-huh. you know should i should i go for that he's like oh yeah man he's an amazing drummer like you you know you guys totally get along and um and so i hired him i remember his first day you know when we're starting to train him like we had some big sale coming up uh, this is at guitar center and so i gave him this huge list of because we used to have to cold call our customers when you go in there, like, okay, yeah, yeah, what's your name, blah, 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 what's your phone number, cool, you know, and it would have your name on your receipt, whatever, but we would call you when, like, Memorial Day extravaganza is coming uh, up. You rather know, we, than mailing stuff call out? call everyone the week before. Oh, that too. Uh, but, but we were, like, commissioned sales, so, like, you're dependent trying to sell on it, it yeah, to live. Sure. And so, yeah, we would we would hand out call sheets at the beginning of the day and you had to cross off all the names, sign it, and turn it in at the end of the day. Dang. So so his first day, I I do his new hire paperwork, you know, show him the training video. I give him this like two or three page list to uh, call. And then I go on lunch and I'm home and my phone rings. I'm like, God damn it. Like, what the fuck's gone wrong now? I'm like, yeah. And I get this, hi, this is Gabe from Guitar Center. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling to let you know about our Memorial Day sale. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. I was like. Did I just get pranked? I was like, all right. And like, from right there, I just knew like, this is a dude I can That's trust. Funny. You know, yeah. like, I just left him and he just did the thing. Uh-huh. You know, and it's a thing that none of us liked to do. And, and he just like did the thing. I was like, all right, that's, that's cool. And like, you know, we kind of just became friends around the shop, but like, yeah, once, once we did that one, that one Danny Elfman thing where I gave it to him, uh-huh. you know, probably two, two o'clock in the afternoon and he left at five and he, he came back at seven before we closed. We walked back to the warehouse where there was a boom box and he had this one CDR with one song on it and it was, it said the clown faced killer hmm. and we put it in the deck, listened to it. And I just remember that dun 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 dun. Dun 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 it just no, straight like up did straight end up being up a thing. <laughs> I like this. With it. That's awesome. Um, that that shit just happened so fast, and it's really cool now to have just done this ten year anniversary show, having such exciting, fun. You know, I'm new to the genre, new friendship, hmm. no pressure. Of, like both of us had had bad experiences of bands falling apart, and we're like, you know, that is terrible. We don't want to go through that. You know, let's just just create it and have fun and no one will ever hear it and who cares mm-hmm. you know you know by the time you joined the group we were like man this shit's pretty cool maybe we should do <laughs> something yeah you know? and you know and it kind of turned in 
to a much bigger thing. And we never anticipated that being a serious project. And, and I think that was maybe part of the reason that we had so much trouble balancing it. And like the fact that he, yeah. he was just bringing this up the other night, like when, when we worked together at a certain point, he moved to the warehouse and then I got promoted to operations manager. Mm-hmm. So I was his direct and only supervisor. <laughs> and and which, so that which can like, always be weird. When you're friends already, that's hard. Yeah. But when you're friends and kind of co creators in a in a band mm-hmm. and I'm kind of the band leader of like keeping the momentum going and booking the shows and and you know, producing the, the, the records and stuff. And so like the, there was just a lot of aspects of like of our lives of me just kind of telling him what to do and yeah how totally that can just fuck things up because i don't like doing it and you know i'm sure he didn't like it and i, I never care for that workplace real life friendship crossover stuff because i inevitably end up holding on to things or holding it against people and yeah like ah dang it like I want to have fun with you making music, but you made me mad at work today. Yeah. And I, I don't like you. And it was, I mean, there's, you, you could separate it on some level. Like I remember when, when Mike McCarthy, our guitar player quit his job, you know, I was his direct supervisor as well. And it's like, Hey man, uh, I can't come in to my shift this weekend. I got a, a wedding gig for my other band. Mm-hmm. pays a shitload of money. I'm not going to come and Gotta do that. stamp receipts yeah. to do that. And I was like, so you're you're just not coming. He's like, yeah. I was like, you know what that means? He's like, yeah. All right. All right. See you at practice tonight. Yeah. You know, Mike quit slash got fired. Yeah. The same day that we all got together and had practice that mm-hmm. night. And, you know. And especially as an artist how can I not condone that behavior anyways? Like, yeah, go do it. <laughs> go, like, I mean, I can't, that there's penalties, but I well, can't. Well, no, it, it directly makes my job worse because then yeah. I had to work that guy's shifts until I hired someone else. Sure. You know, and so like that whole place put us in turmoil and obviously that became the album, yeah. Death of a Salesman. And, and fortunately, you and I had all those positive experiences on the road to kind of end cap the album because i remember when it was first called mental yeah. illness and it was just like 10 songs i kind of forgot about that until i watched the dvd the other day and then it's all mental illness on it, stuff it was oh, dark yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was real dark yeah your original um dude in a straight jacket and a bloody padded room yes. cover idea yeah if you, if you guys go to youtube and and look up the illusionist mental illness documentary and of course it's capital ill like the illusionist mental illness and naturally we 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 documented when the record came out like kind of interviewed everyone in the group of like the crazy shit that we went through but you'll see a clip of the the rough artwork that Shar howling did shout out to howling design she did a lot Holler. of our stuff back then but there's a dude in a padded cell and and he's kind of turned around looking at you and, and on the back of his straight jacket is the ill logo and and scratched into the padded walls are the words mental illness one on each wall he's kind of in the corner and they're like bloody you know like they've been scraped with fingernails and the padding's coming out you know and that's the lettering for the the album cover and it was a really bleak 
record, <laughs> you know. And so, and, and, and well, because I I started writing the first couple songs in like 2010, and it didn't come out till 2013. And honestly, thank God, because we went through such a transformation, and like we're in a much better place in our lives. Yeah, that's true. That that the end of the album now at least has some uh, release. After all that, it's not just like fuck life and it sucks and yeah. I'm gonna oh. hang myself like the guy on the disc art, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, but that's behind us now. We're yeah. out here and it feels pretty good, you know. And that wasn't the end, but it, it it was a perfect end for that story. Yeah, and true, if like you were just saying, had we not had tour, pretty much all we would have been doing was just working at jobs that we hated and then writing music about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean making that music was like hardly a relief to me. It was just like reliving the place I'm already at, you know? So if we hadn't had tour to be like a form of relief and good times in opposition, though, granted, come, for me, coming back from tour always made work that worse. much worse. Like, God dang it. Like, there's another little taste of something I would actually really like to be doing. Yeah. But had we not had that, it would have it just been all bleak. I mean, I'm sure that we would have made a powerfully depressing album <laughs> um and i'm sure it would have been cool and there's you know banging beats and stuff but well, yeah hey, i mean you lob off the last three songs in there and that's what it was basically yeah totally unsatisfied and <laughs> and finally and victory lap were mm -hmm. the last songs to be written you know i mean before that it was like insects and parasites center of attention peace yeah. life sucks you uh, know? <laughs> the normally when you when you're putting together an album and you try to think like, all right, this first one is going to be a banger and it's just going to grab the people. And then, and then the last one, when I think about replaying, this last track is going to end in a way that makes people want to replay it. And then I'll just re grab them with the first track again. Yeah. But this album would have been like, Oh God, by the time it got <laughs> done, like, ah, never mind. I mean, it kind of would work though, because if you played it a second time, the first track like, being Groundhog Days, uh -huh. and I'm like, oh, this fucking again, you know, yeah. and just that kind of uh, muttering, like, yeah, oh. the repetition part. And, and really, if you play that album on repeat, like, if you were to play that album six times, that's basically what it was Do like. It. Those middle years of the Illusionists, of like, oh, this fucking grind, and and mm. you know, I can't take this one more day, and then like. You know, you go home and you have a good show or a practice or a writing session and you feel good. And then, you know, you're back there the next day and it's this cycle, you know, and then and then we go on tour again. A couple of months later, we go on another tour yeah. and life would be good. And then it would start over each time. The ups and downs. You know? And so that was that was the, the life of the illusionist. And I think that's part of the reason that album has such staying power and people still fucking bring it up. But mm -hmm. um, uh, fast forward to now, again, we just had this anniversary show where we we got the whole gang together and and with all the negativity that was happening around death of a salesman and you know gabe leaving the group and we kind of limped on for a little while but it didn't really uh i mean for me it didn't have the same appeal because it was like we had we had done this. It was great. And then we finally got to a level that we were all really proud of, but it was just like, so there's so much baggage. I mean, we'd mm -hmm. fired the live band, you know, my co-creator quit, you know, there's just so much shit, mm -hmm. you know, around it. And then I felt like, you know, do I want to st still be the one like 
rallying everybody to do a thing or do I just want to step back do and do stuff. a thing? Yeah. You know, and then that was that. And um, to see everyone together the other night, like after sound check before mm-hmm. doors, just as I'm setting up merch, I'm just watching you guys sharing laughs and hugs and whatever, you know, and Gabe and Crosby talking for 20, 30 minutes. And yeah. Like, that just makes me feel so good. For sure. Inside to, to know that we can put all that shit aside and, and celebrate this time is, is well, cool. And I think that that's kind of how it is with friendships that have a long history and then you just kind of find yourself separated or you've gone through, I mean, you and I are like, I've gone through a lot of stuff and I'll just never not talk to Sam. You know, yeah. like Sam's my guy. Um, but those kind of times let me know that like we are still friends. You know, stuff happens as long as it's not too crazy and as long as everybody's cool and can see past all those things it's awesome to still get together and like still chop it up it just still feels really good to me like that lets me know that that there is some kind of strong bond there yeah regardless part of this reunion was unveiling of several new songs started with no fucks capacitor, which reunited myself and Webb, and we made a track that was very reminiscent of the earliest stuff. Mm-hmm. Big heavy strings from a comic book movie, and you know, real aggressive vocal that was just free form. You know, yeah, we did a, lo- a little distortion on the first record. I think we did uh, on um, Stolen Dick. And on the second record, we did quite a bit. Like, Ill Is All, we recorded live. Me and Evan would each hold... Yeah, with our handhelds. Yeah, we each held a, you know, a 58 or whatever, and I would turn up the preamp all the way, just 100%, clipped as much as you could, and total so-what-you-want shit, you know. So I, I wanted to bring that back as well. Was I still... I recorded all that stuff sitting down, right? Because I was like... Post accident, I was yeah, all busted you were broken. up. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's true. Like when you watch the Capital Ill music video, our very first music video, my very first music video of any kind in 2009, you'll see Ev sitting on crutches and both of us rapping in the handhelds. Mm. And I don't think that's the album version, but what you hear on that video is what we're performing right mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's there's multiple scenes where we're performing in different places, but the stuff of us here in the studio with microphones is what you actually hear. So when I first finished the track, it's just this, people don't like when you say freestyle nowadays, but it is, you know, it's a free form rhyme with no arrangement. I just, I took this sprawling epic track and I trimmed it down to about two and a half minutes and I just wrapped over the entire thing without stopping. And that was stuff we would do on the first project because, like, I was so excited to be rapping. Finally, you know, I, I just dropped an album and now this guy wants to work with me and, like, sweet, let's make all these songs, you know. And so you listen to some of these songs that are, you know, four and a half minutes long of just nonstop rapping or maybe it stopped for a second and then the next part comes. I've got a lot of gross stuff you know, to say. Oh, yeah, and it was horrible, but it was like a freight train. Yeah, it was yeah. just so much momentum and super so, eager yeah and and so i was in a creative binge you know first two weeks of january and i, I hit him up um 
I was like, hey, uh, that link expired last beat you wanted me to listen to. Can you send it again? And he sent it, and I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. He goes, if you want it, you can have it. I'm like, cool, because I already have eight bars that I need to go with <laughs> Dope, something. I already started writing. Yeah, and it fit perfectly with what I was working on, and we just went for it. And that track was super cool. And then the other songs we came with, like Keep Digging, The Love, and The Showstoppers, that stuff that we have been saving and tinkering with forever. And I don't think people really knew that we had that stuff up our sleeves. Mm-mm. Really, I wasn't sure if anyone even still followed or cared about the group because we hadn't done anything really in about four years. Our, our last show, I thought, was Open Mike Eagle when he came up here for Dark Time uh, or Dark Comedy. I'll, but it was Gradient's release show. Somebody the other day was asking me, like, when was the last time you guys played together? And I straight up had no idea. Yeah, I thought it was the Mike Eagle show at Lucky's uh, when he was touring Dark Comedy, but it was actually the Ambition release show for Gradient when we played at the Boreal. Um, and Whoa. So, yeah, that was August of 14. It was a long time. I f- forgot about that. Me too. And, uh, yeah, Thomas reminded me. So we... Uh, in that period of time, have been chipping away on these songs that I, uh, when I picked the beats with, with Elgar Burrow for, for Break the Bank, we were over at Odar's house, that's Crosby, for those who know, and um, he was one of the producers in The Illusionist as well, and when Gabe left, he became the sole producer in The Illusionist. So when I was picking out the beats for Break the Bank with Elgar Burrow, uh, we went back, you and I, we went back to Crosby's house and we were looking through all of his folders of beats. Through, we listened to probably a couple hundred tracks and uh, picked out what was going to be the next ill shit. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing Krang and that was the first one that I was like, oh, yeah. that, that is um, the next. Yeah, yeah step that I remember, is yeah, a new exactly. sound like that's the sound yeah yeah i was like that oh, is that's like where some, we're going some e shit man uh-huh. like that, that's like lots of like abilities shit that's gnarly and weird mm-hmm. and he's like yeah i actually uh i i created this synthesizer sound from a single drum hit that i fucking you know digitized did this whole thing and i was like i don't know what the fuck you're saying right now but it sounds amazing that's a babble bro and great, let's do it. He was all getting into sound design and like tripping out on that technical Cros- stuff. Yeah, Cross gets deep. and yeah, it was it was awesome. But track was great, and that from that day, um, you you can read about this in my book where Break the Bank was finished. I was going to send it to the manufacturer on Monday morning. I heard another beat, and I was like, mm. "Oh, but this uh, is perfect for Break the Bank." And so that was we wrote, a closer. Time is running out. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So we added another song to it from that ill session. But um, so we picked out those beats in 2013. I've got this list in one of my notepads that's like track title, Sam. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm like designating who they, maybe some of it was from the times when I would go over there by myself. But me and Cross would, we were going through stuff and like, ooh, this sounds like a Sammy thing. Ooh, yeah. this sounds like a Sam and Doug thing. Ooh, this sounds like an ill thing. And just, attaching names to all these track titles and stuff yeah yeah and 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 for a while you guys were working on that solo project Mm -hmm. i know you did a song with graves that we worked on that was cool um i actually wrote vocals for a a couple different songs and i just never did anything oh really yeah i probably had like 
three or four. Oh, you should dig them out. I didn't know you ever finished another one. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing I ever recorded was the one that I wrote with Des Graves, but I had like three others that at most I just recorded computer videos. Oh, yeah, I had no fucking clue. Yeah. But anyway, when we started working on this, making some progress on this ill stuff again, uh, you reached a point where you were like, I don't really know if I'm going to keep doing the solo thing. Do you want to hear some of these beats I've been saving? Yeah. And it was like, do I've I? got a couple still. Yeah. And so I think by... <laughs> do I? I, I, th- I think 2014, I wrote like probably two-thirds of what you hear on the record. And then by 2016, I wrote like Thanksgiving and... Uh, God, I don't know what else, but they, uh, the song that's now called Unlikely Ends, it was called Courage. I wrote that around the same time. About that point is when it just kind of stopped and it was like, oh, cool. I've done all my parts and, you know, kind of send that to you guys. Like, this is, this is what I got. I'm gonna go on tour and work on these other records. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah. And, um, you know, we just never really touched on it. You know, we did the whole... TFS Streetlight Tours or, or Tour, I guess. Which was awesome. Yeah, it was rad. And, you know, we were both focused on other things. And as I realized the anniversary was coming up, it was like, oh shit. If this shit's ever going to come out and we're not just going to keep doing the like, yeah, someday, someday, <laughs> then now is the time. And, and funny enough, just I was catching up on Super Duty Tough Work the other day. I listened to the 100th episode. And then I went back and listened to number 99 because uh, I'd missed that. And that was just a couple days ago after our reunion show and after this dropped. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole episode on why not to sit on good material mm. as an artist. And one of the things that they were talking about was like, you know, that shit that sounds cool to you right now, like it's going to sound super dated, you know, eight years from now or something. Yeah. What you think is cool right now is not even going to sound cool to you yourself who made it. Mm-hmm. Like, take that shit while it's fresh and still get you, it out. And you I, just have to. And, and having not heard that, I still had that, that kind of idea of like, you know what? We have like 40 songs that no one's ever heard. Mm. And these ones that we've been working on the last couple of years are really good. The other ones were cut for reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I whittled it down to like three, or no, I had four 10 song Digital Purgatories, four volumes. And then I had two 20-track volumes. And then I had like a 16-track version, I think, as of like two weeks ago. And then it was finally like, you know what? Fuck it. Just the new ones and the tour tracks. I'm glad you did it how you did it because especially considering the some of the recordings on the vocals are pretty fresh. There's yeah. not there's not really a way to tell that it's even old aside from the actually old old tracks. A lot of it sounds really nice and then the had we recorded vocals and kept them from whenever they were recorded then it would have sounded super mixed up, but then you just ended up whittling it down to a normal album length. Yeah. It sounds like pretty normal s- stuff and people are more likely to listen to it because it's not 
40 tracks and they're like she yeah and i was thinking that what just with the amount of time like if this came out on the heels of death of a salesman and we said you know we're gonna clean out the vaults we don't have any new music yet but we're gonna give you a bunch of b-sides you know mm-hmm. that would have been cool to do at the time but so much past uh, so much time has passed since then yeah that i feel like if we were to put out the b-sides from fucking 2008 9 10 11 12 and 13 mm-hmm there's no context for that yeah you know they're gonna be hearing all kinds of filthy ass rhymes and, and just some weird sounding tracks and they'll be like who are these guys and the only thing that i think that you could really do is y- you wouldn't want to sequence music like that because it would sound I mean, so all I over the painstakingly yeah, did that multiple great. versions i, I would of just it. do it like sequentially yeah. <laughs> like this is 2007 i this had is cron- chronological versions and i had versions that were more like mixtapes and i it was hard man yeah, that sounds wild and, and it was hard to part with it because I, I i wanted to you know unveil this like hey i know we haven't given you guys anything but here's a bunch you know? <laughs> but like it just wouldn't have been good yeah so though you may be satisfying a part of yourself that just wants to share these things that you created with people probably a lot of that older stuff people are going to hear that and be like hmm yeah, like uh, even if I were to put out the first record again now mm-hmm. and be like, hey, it's our 10th anniversary, here's our first record, Ugh. I feel like it would be met with mixed emotions. Yeah, it would be like, thanks, kind of. Yeah, I feel like people who are, like, I don't, like, check this out. I got a bunch of new followers when I put out Wildfire. I don't want the first new release I have for people to check out since then to be some filthy ass disgusting not delivered very well shit yeah. that i wrote you know when i was 21 i've been writing a bunch of well thought out conscious stuff here's this crap <laughs> yeah yeah now here's some punchlines about me fucking your chick with a curling iron mm. like you know semen that shit was foul okay yep. you guys want to get into some like i've i've been watching people get into like arguments on facebook comments about like you know lyrics and content and rappers and whatever and i'm be like ha sarks would be in him heavy and i'd be like i texted him offline the other day i was like yo are you prepared for this illusionist show that we're about to do because like all the shit you're saying is really offensive is like what our old shit was pretty much my middle name we're opening the the floodgates of of filth again to do this show i hope you're ready for that i think that there's there's a special exception place in in Aaron's heart for us. There is. We're his blind spot. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like, no, you guys, you can say whatever you want because I like you. Actually, I'm going to play this right now. Yeah. Because hey, Sammy. this is a perfect uh, example. So good, it makes my dick hard. <laughs> like that, my good friend Chase, I've known him since we were three years old in preschool. He's my drummer for my first band, and, and he left that message on my voicemail when Death of a Salesman came out. And I've saved it ever since for whenever this next record yeah. comes. But uh, this track, since I knew it was going to be an ill track, mm-hmm. and we're doing mm-hmm. over that old style, the strings, the break beats, the fucking timbales and shit, you know, I was like... Dude, I'm going to go in on that filthy shit again. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and you can you can rein it back 
lyrically. I mean, just you don't have to talk about all the same stuff, but you can like same attitude, going just as hard. In fact, rhyming better. It sounds like old stuff. Yeah. Only I don't have to, and I'm not saying like stoop to that level. I mean, this is that level. I mean, listen to that. I don't know if you guys can understand if if you've heard this record, but like, I mean, the throttle a cock. You know, like yeah, you love that. to talk about dick stuff. But then coming after that, like gone to the gutter, but fuck, it's where it was born. You know, like I'm, I'm talking about, like, look, dude, if we're gonna go back there and talk about what this was, yeah, let's do it. You know, yeah, it's filthy, it's fast, and it's pissed off, and I just about lost my voice recording it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> there actually isn't any dis- distortion. Yeah. That's just how yeah, bad no, my voice just is. How now. pissed off I was. <laughs> But yeah, man, it felt good to do this. And at the show, all the sh- all the shows we did, all these years, all these records, Gabe and I never stood on stage as a duo and played music ever. Yeah. Um, the only time he performed with the group was playing live drums, and only after that did he start doing MPC beats. Prior to that, he was. I've been saving this since Death of Salesman too. Yeah, you have um, all this for. But and you um, only started playing shows. After I joined the group, so you guys never did any stuff. Yeah, by you enabled us to play shows because he didn't have anything but software to yeah. chop beats, and so he had no way to play them live. And I was too afraid to stand up there and just do it. I didn't think I, long wise, I didn't think I could do it. Sure. Like content wise, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm not get a tomatoes rapper. thrown at me. I'm not a rapper. You sure. Know, what is this? And yeah, so, imagine like, how we felt. In the beginning, anyways, like Samurai Duck shows, yeah. and like uh, I, feel, I feel pretty outcasty right now. And if that had just been you on your own, that would have been at least we can hug each other when it's you and I. Well, and that was it. Like once you, we put out that song Laundry Day, and you messaged me, it was like, "Hey, I really like what you guys are doing. Like if you want to do any stuff." And I was like, "We were talking about this today." Thank God. I need a buddy. Yeah, because I, I was like. I was giving away 99 years for free at uh, shows, you know, whatever, at DFS shows, whatever. And I was like, is this going to be anything? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, yeah, you sealed that. But um, this song was one of the ones that we finished. I think I wrote 2014, two verses. And then 2016, you came with verses. And we were like, yo, I thought I had how verses cool would first. this be? Was it? Yeah, I think I did. You, like, let me start this one because I liked it so much. But oh, I only okay. wrote two. And then I think you wrote two, and then we decided maybe we should go with the three and change the format. Yeah, and see, then we both originally added a single. It went two verses break, and then two yeah, verses, yeah. and it was the same order each time. Yep. And so the fact that we made it three and three meant that a different person starts and ends each section, and it was really cool. Like, you know, the song's just some doo doo rhymes, but. Um, the it's energy fun. is right You know It feels good Like kind of a You know if, if you think about If you put this On your ill playlist Coming after Death of a Salesman You know I could hear this After finally In Victory Lap And mm-hmm. like It just seems like The next thing Yeah sure It just sounds like The better version of um, I mean I like that line a lot not, not better Just like Everybody's production got better over time, you know. So this sounds yeah. sonically like just l- capital still or anything like that. It's fast, it's upbeat, it's not positive or unpositive. It's just some rappy shit. Well, it sounds like something we would do. 
Although I will say, even though we're shit talking in this song, I think it's the sample that gives it a levity. Like it doesn't that like yeah, it's yeah, it, it, the, like the it makes us not rap on it pissed. Even That's if true. we're we're doing a lot of brag bars, we're still like I'm you know it's not this a rock. Yeah, this shit in any other beat, I feel like we would just be yelling on it and whatever yeah totally but we're just kind of passing the mic having fun again and mm-hmm. that that's what really worked about it and i i did a set at lucky's last year i think it was the architects finale there and um i hit you up and i was like yo would would you just want to sneak up there and surprise people do mm-hmm. a, a couple of ill songs you know and then we ended up doing like half the set i think just to kind of surprise people and have fun and yeah i think you brought me up uh wouldn't it that Okay, that wasn't illusionist, but I think that that's what I was thinking was like the last thing that we, oh, we yeah, did yeah. together. But yeah, I think yeah, you brought me up you like and halfway we, through. And, we did, yeah. But, but I remember we played that song, and people yeah. were like, "What? Uh, what the fuck?" And the Ki came up to me afterward. He's like, "Are you guys back?" I was like, eh, "Not really." And and uh, he's like, "That new one though, do more of that." I like, like that. I need more of that. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like, it felt good that somebody who was around back then heard what we were sitting yeah. on and was it still still cared yeah for sure and you know total package he clearly liked what we were doing our delivery the energy and the beat itself i mean casey makes music so yeah. you know he's like uh yeah that i'm into that which is totally cool because i'll take i appreciate a compliment from anybody but if it's somebody who you know is my friend or i'm close to or i appreciate their opinion or you know if i was a painter and a painter told me i did something good i would feel good about it so when i think casey is a really dope dude and then he says nice job then um, i'm gonna accept that real hard now this song was written probably around the same time as ferguson free right like 2014 i was over at my wife's grandparents house on thanksgiving and you know both of us in our our kind of extended family there's a lot of rednecks and we're kind of the outcasts and one of her cousins was just dropping n-bombs watching fox news and you know they're showing the riots um you know and the protests in ferguson and they were talking about looters on fox news and he that line where I said, you know, he said they should go back to Africa with Ebola. I mean, that's not really paraphrasing that much. I mean, that's pretty much what he said, you know. It's like those N-words fucking go back to Africa, loot their own fucking neighborhoods and and fucking, so you know, bring that Ebola shit back from our, out of our country and blah, 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 you know. And I was like, I, I just looked at her and I was like, we need to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just instantly right just like jacket, now. like... Bye, everyone. Nice to see you. And they were like, whoa, where are you guys going? I'm like, oh, I got to go to my mom's house. See you later. You know, and we just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, was cool with all you fucking guys. pissed. And I, I mean, she already has no connection to that side of the family and it's not happy. You know, yeah. We'll try... She's, I'm like, oh, you're going to go over to your grandma's, you know, on Christmas Eve? And she's like, man, what time do you think none of those fuckers will be there? <laughs> you know, and so we'll try to, like, you, strategize. Or we'll go a day early or something because uh-huh. so, those assholes won't be there, you know? Totally. But, like, I mean, that's something that's, that's close to home for me because, like, you know, I remember... Like in high school, my dad had a Confederate flag hanging in his his uh, auto shop that he ran, 
And I was like, yo, that's fucked up, man. Like, don't you understand? He's like, what are you talking about, man? I'm born in Texas, you know? Like, this is our... our you know, our family history or whatever. I was like, no, not really. Cause That's like, bullshit, dude. You know, uh, you know, grandpa and great grandpa they're from the midwest and you know uh-huh. <laughs> all that shit and i was like that's that's got a whole lot of shit tied to it man and you don't you don't want to be a s- slavery apologist and he's yeah. like he's like look any point you know he tells me because his his employee at the time his only employee his right hand man was a black guy and he's like you know look i got so-and-so i don't remember his name uh you know oh, he's, cool. he's not bothered. <laughs> he goes he's not bothered by it why should you be i was like he is i was like you're signing his checks yeah, he's not exactly. gonna be giving you shit about it, but like I'm yeah. just telling you, it's not the right move, you know. And like, dude, I remember hearing racist jokes out of his mouth when I was like elementary school. I mean, I mean, young. Yeah. And uh, like, there's a there was a bit on the Donald Glover special where he said, and I I don't know any way uh, uh, else to have this conversation other than to say the word, but he said nigglet. Mm-hmm. In this Donald Glover comedy special, like I'd never heard that shit before. <laughs> he was losing his mind. How funny it was, and it was coming out of a black woman's mouth in a, at a playground or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like I watched that with my tourmates, and they were losing their minds laughing. And I was like, man, that brings back all sorts of uncomfortable feelings mm-hmm. from hearing that in the passenger seat of my dad's car as a punchline and going, uh, you know. And so something about just that happening that one time i was like you know what this is done because if if we stay here i don't want to i don't want to cause shit in your grandparents house yeah you know we're a guest in their house not this guy's house you know and i'm ready to go off on this fucking guy yeah totally you know but uh, anyway we just talked over that entire track uh ocd bag i wanted to call it um it was uh uh one that I was very close to cutting, and like the night before or two nights before we dropped Digital Purgatory, I was like, well, let me just redo it, rewrite a couple things, clean it up, see if I can do a better take, you know, all those things. And once I did it, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Tells a lot about myself that I never talk about, <laughs> that is definitely a big part of my life, so... Um, wanted to include that but yeah this one's a jam too um, I have a really hard time with this like but I still want to talk about that stuff while, uh, yeah, while it's yeah, moving forward the whole time we could go on with the two hour podcast yeah. podcast for sure but um, I'm trying I like to stick your, to the I like songs. your gaps in this and like you added the beat drops yeah your your like your vocal spacing is cool for like a chill emphasis and then also those in in some of those spaces yeah that's super cool to me this was a hard one as far as drops and stuff because all these beats are so old I don't have the stems from them I just have the final mixes mm-hmm. you know from five years ago or something and so I just had to either mute the entire track or nothing and so you notice there's not a lot of beat drops on the album but I felt this song could use it and up until a couple weeks ago when it was decided like okay so you were gonna drop another verse on the love Mm -hmm. but that meant that I had to finish this one and unlikely ends and you know a couple things and so I wrote this one second verse and chorus uh, while we were just rehearsing to get ready for the show mm-hmm. kind of at the same time that I was writing all these songs for my next solo record so 
my head has been spinning lately just between yeah, the, writing all the new solo songs and, and trying to record them and so I've got all those lyrics in my head and then we we learned 22 songs for our set and that was hard and doing uh, I had a DFS show in the beginning of that month I have another one coming up in a couple weeks so I have like basically three different entire sets in my head and it's been like uh, I was so looking forward to having this anniversary show behind me uh-huh. and I'm so looking forward to having the DFS show behind me yeah. just so I can clear my head and focus on what's in front of me. Totally. Um, but this one is the banger. We always knew this was the banger. This is the cut, guys. And this was... You were saving this for your solo shit, right? Uh, this yeah. one I, of those? Yeah, I believe it was Keep Digging in this one. Yeah. And this... I, I did this verse in... I don't know. Probably got more too. 16, maybe? 2016, I think? And Numbers. Well, because they were either done in 14 or 16. But uh-huh. it's been sitting around a while. Uh-huh. And content-wise, we thought the third verse could go to Chesky. Mm-hmm. And we thought he would be a good fit. And we sent it to him a long time ago. And he thought it would be a good fit. But never really got around to it. And he kept asking, like, you know, when I was going to give him a... You know, a version that had both of us on it. Evan hasn't written anything. Yeah, that's sorry. I don't know. And eventually, it kind of didn't happen. And one day, I sent him this other one I was working on for my solo shit, and he's like, "Oh, can we do that instead?" I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. sure." And sure enough, man, in the eleventh hour, you came through with this verse. Feel good and about that. That turned out great, and so once this, once I knew this song was actually going to be able to be finished, hit up Ogar Burl was like, "Yo, can you do something this week?" Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of these tracks on this record are either partially aged like fine wine, mm-hmm. or shit that we just Super fucking like. Yeah. wrote. Like, there's nothing in between. Huh. The shit's either years old or, like, days old yeah. at this point. four years or four days. Yeah. And I think he killed it on this this breakdown here. Flow. That's the most bro part of that whole verse. What? I'm trying to find the right flow. Yeah. That's, like, his most ogre part. I'm gonna make my own. He's got some really good lines in there. Yeah. That's just great. Classic Ogar. And this one I had such a hard time with the mix again because they're old and I don't have the stems for them. And so I'll, I'll tell you what I... The trick that I did, there's a drum break right here at the end of the song where it just plays out for a while. And so I waited till the decay stopped. And like right there, it's just the drums. And I grabbed the drums and I put it over the whole song and so I could actually mix mix the drums uh, to my liking and give it some more punch and give the track some more headroom because sometimes an instrumental will sound great and then when you put the vocals on it, this, the melodies are competing. The samples are, are conflicting with the, the voice and that's exactly what's happening. So I'm, I'm lucky we had that little outro because mm-hmm. I think the track came out sounding good now. Yeah, it was a good call. Sounds beefier. And uh, shout out to Intellectual on this one. He's an old friend of ours. From many tours, sleeping on his couch, 
he did the scratch on this part. This is that beat Krang that I was telling you about. That, oh man, you guys. Yeah, these are. That, just that synth melody is so badass. And I think this is the first verse I wrote for this song. And it wasn't that great. And so I replaced it with the other one. And I really like that one. And then when it came to drop this, I was like, well, I'll do some rewrites. Clean it up a little bit so we can have a full song. So, like, you'll hear it. Like, clearly I didn't write a reference to Louis C.K. Having a hard dick years ago. I wrote that a couple weeks ago. But um, for the most part, that verse is really old and, and it's okay. It's not bad. But the second verse, I feel like, is actually really strong. And turned out cool. This is another one that was way longer and I trimmed down considerably because it, it was really cool as an instrumental piece, but kind of lost momentum the longer that loop went on because mm-hmm. I thought it's a great melody if you don't overuse it you know it's like a good bass lick or something like it's not yeah. necessarily a lead instrument you know it's just like if you do it once you're like oh what was that mm-hmm. so I wanted it to kind of be like that crash back back square one I like that little one when I was learning it I had a pain in the ass like repeating that part over and over yeah there's way good starts and stops in this there's another one where like I hated the demo but the chorus was really crappy and you know it's 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 okay it's not anything mind blowing but once I re-recorded everything mm-hmm. I feel like the delivery was right because I, I don't know something about illusionist stuff always just made me want to yell <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know it what it is. Maybe one when I'm with you. <laughs> oh, super high energy and and yeah. you know, we did that at the show the other night, you know, we tore it down, but that one was uh better I felt like with a little more control mm-hmm. and this song is just retarded <laughs> we just, it's a, just kind of a free write bullshit exercise and there's a freedom in writing an illusionist song to me because yeah. the fact that you know and a lot of people do know us for serious shit mm-hmm. but to me it'll always be linked with just fucking around having as much fun as humanly possible yeah just entertaining and, that and and laughing in the studio yeah and and hanging out with your friends and totally. so you know with this track it was like i'm just watching a fucking dude you know you're just watching a dude fucking daydream you know about the last good fuck he had you know and He's in this shitty life. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, this is the goofiest thing I ever wrote. Like, I know who would go with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we pulled in Gradient. He was bummed when this net didn't come out because he recorded this a long time ago, too. Prize at a diet sprite. <laughs> I didn't fight guy. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's always cool to have these different... I mean, this is all rap, but to have these different avenues to entertain stuff because you're like, well, you know, part of you must feel like you want to get out some silly dreamy story time stuff you know 
but Apparently. not so much that I want to put it on my own record. Yeah, I mean, this is, and there's also some freedom in knowing that this isn't like album six. This isn't, yeah. this isn't like Death of a Salesman's follow-up necessarily. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. You know, this is like, this is the, the archives, this is the B-sides, this sure. is the, you know, the unreleased more mm-hmm. than, more than going, this is the proper sequel. Sure. And so, you know, I'm talking about talking shit to some dude and, you know, peeing on me you yeah know, like that that's no shit. that would have been in the next record that shit that's my my sense of humor for sure yeah but like i don't know what i would do with that you know yeah that would just forever sit on this hard drive and so it was just one of those like just trade some fucking silly rhymes like yeah just enjoy it mm-hmm. and uh yeah there's something liberating in that and just <laughs> Just like back in the day when we started this shit, it was like, yeah, let's just fucking make stuff to laugh and and amuse ourselves, and, and it's maybe no practice. one will ever hear it, you know? Yeah. And this time, people get to hear it, and they'll go, what the fuck is he on with this <laughs> oh record, God. you know? And that's cool. I have had people say, oh, dude, moment of silence, or like, oh, dude, this one, or dude, that's, that one, you know? No one's gonna come to me and be like, "Oh, that OCD song," or like, "Oh, cornbread." Oh, hit me with that cornbread. Really resonated with me. You know, I got peed on once <laughs> for shit talking. You know, nobody's saying that. That's what I was but they say. don't all have to be that. That's fine. You know. What was this one? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. This, yeah, yeah. This is funny because like I don't, I don't write love songs. Really, and you know, I've been with the same person since I was thirteen, so I don't have a lot of you know different a variety of experience of partners and things like that so mm-hmm. like uh, you know one thing I thought would be interesting would be to talk about like prior to that just the young love shit and feeling rejected and uh-huh. you know kind of part of the reason that I felt like we stuck is because I had just like gone through all these rejections and this was fucking well, you know, by like 12, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be alone forever. You know, no, no, no I like I, I like very thought out, like I'm going to be alone forever. I'm just going to dedicate my life to music. If I need to have well, sex, bad, I will, man. you know, find a prostitute, you know, or go to the strip club or flashlights or something. You know, I didn't know about those. I'm not maybe sure they, they didn't exist. I don't think they existed in the yeah. 90s. But, you know, like I just assumed like, you know, that would that would just be my life. And I was generally und- undesirable. <laughs> um, and I would just focus on music. And I still feel like that uh, at my core. But I have a person who, like, was the exception who sees past that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was cool to kind of go back and revisit that and, and talk about something that I've never discussed at all. And uh, uh, I should send this actually to my old friend uh, Maria. I'm going to out her because I didn't know we were like best friends forever. And other people told me like, oh, yeah, did she have the biggest crush on you? I'm like, what? Like, for years. I'm like, what? We hung out every day. I don't have good receptors for those things. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I'd... That I'd didn't write for this and and I still would like to at some point but I've remix yeah but I well not for this I just mean like the subject anyways because this seemed you you know you had called it courage and you were like telling of your backstory and I kind of took it like 
Um, I really like to write some kind of apology song. Mm. Say if it was like a two verse thing, the one half would be dedicated to. Um, and, and I know that it's no, I'm no special expe- exception, but everybody has these things in their past that they like regret or feelings that they hurt they also got their feelings hurt and stuff but it's hard to know what the impact of all those things are you know certainly like um if if i got married in the future and somebody else that i was with in the past also got married then you'd think that it all turned out how it was supposed to yeah but at the but when things happen it still feels super strong and there's a real significance and and i can't say what people retain or anything um but i'd like to have the first verse be like an apology for all the things that i did in the past Mm -hmm. and then the second one even be uh an apology for like things that i've done to my wife or my shortcomings or like intentions to be better or something so it was I just took the title like, oh, this is my opportunity to have the courage to say those things that I've yet to say. And I thought that it would feel good to like air them out. Yeah. Like this needs to be said on my part or something. Like, And I, I kind of felt like I knew where you would have taken it. Yeah. And once we got to, I think that was the last thing that I wrote. I was like, okay, shit, this is coming out in a week. I got to do yeah. this. And, and so I didn't know where to take it. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't even remember how this floated through my mind, but um, the idea that, because this is an inherently strange thing to do, but I also attribute part of the length of my marriage and our relationship is because it's 18 years now. And I think part of that is because I waited five years because, again, I was so like sexually minded and had all that self-loathing shit Mm -hmm. I just knew it was like Pandora's box and so I like willingly remained a virgin until I was 18 so we were together five years 18 (laughs) I'm just saying yeah when I had no I waited way longer when I had the option you know many times yeah we would do stuff but never that much stuff and um and, and that was and that was thought out. I didn't really like. Now I'm very aware of the the addictive tendencies that I have and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And there was just something about it. I just I, I knew it was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make I was it too much it. about something, I was going to want it all the time. Yeah. And now I mean, yeah, every day I'm like, eh, hey, hey, you want to? You know? And that's that's the world she has to live in. And I knew <laughs> I knew. If I did that shit right out of the gate, it'd be terrible. Um, and so, I, you know, putting that out there in a song, I felt like was actually kind of cool. Yeah. I never, never once had that crossed my mind to write about. Yeah. So. I, th- I think that's one thing that's cool about music to me sometimes is the opportunity to maybe your chance to say something to somebody is past like face to face yeah you know and you didn't say the right thing at the time because that's so hard you know two minutes after a conversation you'll be like shit i should have said blah blah you know every time so it gives you the opportunity to give it some hindsight kind of ruminate on stuff and then to to fully compose your thoughts but 
writing, whether it's music or not, gives you the opportunity to to entertain these thoughts and put that stuff out there, especially music, because I put it to a song, and now you want to listen to the stuff I have to talk about. Yeah, it's not just words on a page or something. Yeah, it's 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 cool to look back and even writing through it helps you to you know put closure on this weird little part of your past or something yeah these songs we recorded in california yeah i was just gonna say (laughs) we talked to talk through this one but the two kind of go together so it's all right but this one and the next one i named all these last songs after the tours that they were recorded on um these two really have nothing to do with that the showstoppers is the showstoppers and it was written that way but yeah but this one and the next one we wrote and recorded on tour in los angeles with the almighty intellectual or as he goes nowadays intellectual the sound cultivator he produced the the music and the sessions uh he actually mixed these versions i just kind of did a a slight remaster for this uh, release, but I love was- that last one so much because when we talk about death of a salesman, we'll say like, "Oh, it's a real time capsule." Yeah, it that just one really it really is. sums up where we were. But I've never written a song like that last one that was really about where I'm physically at. You know, yeah. recording it like I'm in California in a garage uh, during this tour experience really just you know my verse is like sam calls me up asks if i want to go on tour i say yeah then we go on tour and here i am on tour right now yeah um so literally talking about what we're doing in the moment and then we of course when that I, one on the nose yeah <laughs> and then when i think about it or when i hear it back now it's i mean if the words didn't already then it would just serve to remind me of like because I'll forget about how much, how much time have we spent in the studio. Yeah. I'm not going to remember all those individual times, but something like that, it's, it's like, oh, yeah. Somewhere else. That's and, a memory. Yeah, no, that's a memory for sure. And there's a photo of that session, too, that, that I remember where mm-hmm. Sarks is holding the corn nuts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a good time. And then we went back, reunited with Sarks on the original recipe tour, and we did this track. Now, now this one, you listen to more like regular ill delivery, but that last one, mm-hmm. um, my verse on the previous is so one, sleepy. yeah, and both of us Super chill. are kind of doing the delivery that I didn't start doing until later. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was like really like I always looked at Malignant on but load of dinosaurs on uh, reintroducing um, yeah on reintroducing oh. I always looked at that song Malignant as the first kind of low voice relaxed natural yeah. delivery but maybe really it was that yeah yeah it was this totally. song you know uh, that would that would have been your like first official time but this because this hadn't come out but, yeah but he, and I, he and got I don't, that out of me too I'll credit him with doing that because yeah. I remember being uncomfortable with Writing on such a laid back track, and yeah, yeah. He was like, "Dude, you have a good voice. You should use your regular voice, man. Like I'm telling you, you can do this. You know, like he, he kind of stroked my ego a little bit to get Some me producer enough stuff to do it because I, I was I was really uncomfortable rapping slow and rapping low. Yeah, 
Um, and and yeah, that was that was a learning experience. Now that I think about it, I think that's why I did the same thing. But I don't feel I think that I could pull off a similar thing better now. But I'm but I think that my normal delivery would have been better suited for that. Anyways, I think I could do kind of a low and slow. It's just not something I ever really do. And I just remember feeling like uncomfortable with writing and recording like in one to two days um yeah no we did it all there yeah like, and we just turned it around and doing it there and recording well, I'm, you know i'm so used to at this point i could probably whatever but uh but then like oh this is not the person i usually record with and this isn't yeah. my normal setting and stuff and just feeling kind of weird about it in general like i like the words but mm, my delivery is chill and uh yeah, moving on. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's cool to hear. This one. Shut the fuck up. Is yep. the cut. And. Yeah, like we, we actually wrote this song right before the Showstoppers tour and we recorded it. Except Carnage didn't have time to get in the studio. But every night on tour, we played this in the Illusionist set to segue into his set. Mm-hmm. And he would also come out and do... He does beatbox scratching, like you'll hear on the Arcane Amalgam record. He does that a lot. Or if you've seen him live, Carnage will beatbox like a DJ. And so he would come out during reintroducing, and he would do the whole scratch break that Intellectual had done on the record. And then we come out and do this shit at the end, and it was it was badass, man. I wish we had videos of some of that stuff. Yeah, I I have one video of this at Lucky's. Oh uh, yeah. End of that tour, or maybe it was later. Tour. It must have been later because our because we came home from that tour, and it was like our best that was local a, show that was ever. Yeah, uh, that's right. And and I remember thinking like, damn, I wish Terrell could have been here for that because yeah. that would have been a great show. Yeah, that was rad. Um, but eventually, last year when I went and was in Minneapolis and we recorded Arcane Amalgam, I we, we were wrapping up the cables and finishing, and I was like, man, still need to get you on that fucking Showstoppers track, dude. Like, like we're we're still gonna put out that the you know ill b-sides it's gonna happen you know mm-hmm. and he's like man i don't even remember that shit and like we're packing up our bags and whatever and then he starts like wait a second and i was like you motherfucker you still know it he's like yeah. i think i no you fucking do it right now he's like oh, i can't do that i was like no I'm sitting down, we're turning this back on, and you're going to do it right now, or it's <laughs> never going to come out. Uh-huh. It's kind of like I did with this record the other day. That's awesome. I was like, this shit's going to come out for the 10th anniversary, it's or it's to. never happening. And so, yeah. yeah. So last year, uh, Memorial Day weekend, I was like, yo, you just spit almost the entire verse under your breath off the top of your head. I'm like, you know it. Yeah. We're going to record this right now. And so we were finished with the Arcane Amalgam session. And we rebooted it to do this track right here that had been sitting since 2013. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and it, it turned out great. And, like, I, I had the stems from Webb and, like, all those, like, pretty purdy little, like, um, drum fill kind of breaks that are in there were shit that I added um, after the original cut, like, when we did the tour. And um, just to keep in with that, like, you know, 
Paul's Boutique shit that me and mm-hmm. Gabe were so into it, where the beat keeps changing, you know. And, like, you'll hear that on the track we did, Redefine the Flow, with Casual. It was on the Vacant Eyes record. Um, you know, I just like, I like taking his awesome samples and then just, like, ducking parts in and out of it and mm-hmm. shit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and keeping keeping the thing flowing. And so, did a little bit of that to this one, but then completely remixed all the sounds and made it sound nice and punchy this time and and i'm I'm really happy with the final version of that and yeah sounds good the fact that we like i wanted all the new songs to be in a row and i felt a little uncomfortable closing the album with an old song yeah but that one came out so good that i feel like it it actually really worked yeah totally I, i wouldn't have wanted to end it with the two tour tracks um, and that one may yeah. be old, but it doesn't sound like it's old. Yeah, and this one, like I, I didn't even realize it at the time, but technically they're all three tour tracks, you know. And so it's kind of yeah, like true. we have nine songs that are new slash unreleased, and then we have the three tour songs mm. at the end. And so once I kind of figured out that, I was like, oh, that's cool. And so I cut out the kind of middle ones I had. Like there was a a version of Brave Little Toaster that was called the climb and it was over a completely different beat and it was way 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 slower and it had a a different chorus as well a singing chorus uh which by the way i was wildly insecure about my chorus on unlikely ends i haven't been singing in a few months and i just that melody popped into my head and i was like oh i wish i could get a female singer in here or somebody who's better than me but I have two days to no get time. this project mixed and out. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it and soak it in reverb and delay. And I played it for you and you were like, dude, it's cool. Shut up. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you for that because I was like, <laughs> um, But yeah, I originally had a singing chorus and totally different beat on Brave Little Toaster. We actually sampled. Same verse though? Yeah. Same. Uh, two verses. Both both my verses. Huh. The um, It was me and then blank and then me so i was going to cut out the middle verse and mm-hmm. um and just have my two two verses in course um you know it still had the i got a full-time job two bands and a wife except for it was i got a full-time job two bands and a wife right and the the baseline was from the band bush it was I can't think of the name of the song, but I'm like it was one of their big songs from Sixteen Stone, and it was a cool beat. But I'm so glad that we redid that. Actually, another one from that record, the stage, the exact same beat was the demo version, but when we sent it to Isid. He didn't respond to it like we had hoped. We're like, dude, that piano line is so great. Like, this is going to be an awesome track, you know? And we didn't hear from him right away. And Gabe was like, no, fuck that. I can do better. Like, uh, and he went through, used the same piano line, but replaced every other part of the beat (laughs) and came up with that really hard-hitting one. And that's probably my favorite web beat ever is the stage. And so, yeah, there was some of those songs that went through transformations. And 
like the Sarks song that I did on Bears Repeating. It's me and Sarks and Joe Beats. And it was called the the something of politics. Um uh, I can't remember. Yeah. But it it was the consequence of politics. And um that was originally written in the Death of a Salesman era too. Hmm. That it was it was before I realized it was going to be a concept album, so I I threw it out. But that song was called Breaking Point, and it was like about fucking murdering heads of states and CEOs and shit, and all that cool stuff. It was like it was like talking about like fucking making a chain gang, you know, of of uh, of CEOs and like making slaves out of the people who've been exploiting the working class. And it shit. sounds like the new Streetlight Cardiac album and. Yeah, just straight up fucking murdering people again. And uh, it was a weird <laughs> departure for the time. And But some of those lyrics, some of the less violent ones, went on to uh, that that track for Bears Repeating that me and Sarks did. Huh. You know, so there's a bunch of like weird Death of a Salesman era stuff that I wanted to include, uh-huh. but really wasn't top notch and it wasn't, cohesive with this stuff so those were the last cuts that i made were were those kind of later era b-sides and alternate versions of songs that the people will recognize or at least they'll recognize parts of them or mm-hmm. you know i just decided fuck it stick to the strong stuff and the tour tracks yeah for sure rather than th- this may be old but we're not rehashing anything this is all pretty much new stuff exactly it's all fresh yeah. material there's no redos. There's no demo versions. Like, you know, when when I buy a record from a band that I like, and you know, it's like the the twentieth anniversary of mm-hmm. something. You know, you buy it and it's like uh, disc two, never before heard. You know, I'm like, fuck yeah, a bunch of new songs from that era, a bunch of B sides, yeah, and they're all just demo versions, like oh, this of shit that's poopy. already in the track list. I'm like, yeah. oh, cool, shittier versions. Of all these songs, and granted, ours were completely different versions, yeah, altogether, different tempos and music and, and whatever. But still, I felt like I didn't want anyone to have that feeling of like, oh, new illusionist. I'm like, oh, just uh, shittier versions of songs. I yeah, know. you know, totally didn't want to do that at all. Yeah, you have to really be that kind. You know, you have to be the kind of person who special features on your movie menu, and you have to be oh, the kind I of person. I know, me sure, too. But but, but, everyone but to know does that, not. yeah, for sure, that's not that's not everybody's cup to to like. Oh, I'm really interested in knowing where this song came from. Like, mm, mostly people just want to hear some <laughs> new stuff. Yeah, yeah. And for the most part, really, if I'm gonna spend money on a, a uh, you know, on a reissue or something that I yeah. already have, I want to get that good shit. And totally. so, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to to come with the strong stuff, and I, I think we did. I'm I'm pretty proud of this this project. You know, it's like you said, it's a time capsule, mm-hmm. much like those tour tracks themselves. Because, you know, I I don't know what the the future holds uh, for the group, if any, but. Um, the anniversary is significant to me. It means mm-hmm. something. And it's the time that we spent and it's also the you know, a marker you know, from my, you know, first rap releases, you know, that I can have okay, I have a decade plus as an MC. How mm-hmm. exciting is that, you know? And and it was really cool to finally be able to share some of these songs that we've been saving 
whether they're tour tracks or, or ones that we've just kind of for sure. been chipping away at and dabbling with, you know, keep digging. We've had under our belts for two years finished, yeah. you know, ready to go. And you know? to play some of them and live for the first time. Yeah, that was cool Super too, fun. man. We, we busted out a bunch of old songs, a bunch of rare songs, a bunch of, you know, quote unquote hits or like, or like staples of our show from, mm-hmm. from years past. But then to slip in a bunch of these new ones was like pretty fucking cool. It was like, hey, we just dropped the new record yesterday. And here's some of the songs. Yeah. You know? So it wasn't a purely nostalgic act, you know, kind of show. Mm-hmm. It was it was a little bit original. Like, that's, that's fucking cool, man. Yeah. I like doing the whole rehash, mashup, you know, keep it moving set. Uh, I'm pretty much just like we practiced. There was like very few breaks, random water, keep it moving the whole time. A lot of medleys, quick cuts. Yeah, exactly. Tracks just drop off, boom, right onto the next one. Yep. Sprinkling, you know, and then with, uh, so I'll snip all those guys down and uh, like, you know, best of the best of, and then yep. also drop some new ones in there. That was super fun to me. Yeah, it was rad, especially I felt like opening with some high energy death of a salesman shit mm-hmm. and then going right in to keep digging another new one. You know, like, hey, if you've been following the lead up to the show, like we dropped this single, I don't know, a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we put up this whole record of new stuff yesterday. You know, so that's exciting for people going like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. And then, oh, what's the, oh, it's the new one. Cool. You know, like that just feel like there's a little bit of excitement in there. And then we kind of did the end of the set the same way in that, you know, now we start going banger, banger, banger. And they're all kind of favorites. And then right before Real MCs is the finale dropped the love mm. in there and oh. it was like another another new one that's like a really strong song you know that that was cool to be able to to just have those up our sleeve to use yeah. you know just to have those cards to play was a good feeling well bust out some brand new stuff on you yeah uh and how rare is it that we do an hour set that was cool you know yeah i can't even remember the last time i did us set that long punk, <laughs> punk rock or rap or anything that's your longest set ever right there i'm pretty sure i mean you'd be yeah. able to tell me if it wasn't but it probably is i'm fairly certain that was the longest i've ever performed at one time yeah and, <laughs> and, the fact that we, and the fact that we chopped it that way made it feel a lot shorter than it was yeah you know? totally well, at least for us on stage i don't know about what it was like in the audience sure uh I'm, yeah personally I, I didn't think that it it felt like a super long time no, no, nothing lasted long enough to, you know, everything is snipped down to like a minute and a yeah. half or two minutes and cool, on to the next one. I mean, we we kind of did it DFS style where it's like, yeah, we groups show up, of tracks. you know, we have 17 songs in the set, but really it kind of feels like five songs. Yeah. Because we just have five blocks of medleys. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like four, so, yeah, four clusters of four. Like we don't have a, a proper DJ mixing and segueing and doing all that sh- shit. So like, you know what? Let's just chop it so it moves like that. Yeah, and I like to I like to not give people the chance to. Uh, I hardly like to give them the opportunity to clap. I just like to <laughs> I agree. to just like you don't have any time to think. You don't have any time to not be into it. Your dad came to the show. Yeah, dad came to the show uh, for the first time in a really long time. I didn't get the chance to talk to him a lot because it's always, you know, pre-show, running around, talking his heart anyways. See everybody. Yeah, you just see everybody a little bit and stuff. And so, yeah, pretty much like he showed up, you know, gave him a hug. Thanks for being here. And then went and played. Um, and then when we got done, 
brother Lauren came up and he was like, Dude, I'm going to start Dad, calling him that brother, up, brother, <laughs> brother Lauren, br- brother Laurel. Uh, came up and was just saying that dad's just blubbering over there. (laughs) 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 He's just like weeping and, uh, and then talked to dad later. And he was just saying that uh, um, he really enjoyed himself, which is really fun because uh, I I don't actually swear a lot in normal life. Anyways, music or at least the ill has always been my place for that. You know, I don't cuss in streetlight stuff. Uh, it's I just, I never really thought of that. Yeah. I just don't, I'm kind of like my was dad. That a in choice? That way. Yeah. It was like a challenge to myself. Huh. It, it was like an attempt to, uh, I to, never even noticed. Yeah. To, to in, in one of our new songs, it's a little break in this verse. And, um, you said Evan is so effing awesome. Like y- that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, it, it says, um, like past manic, mode panic that's phil mm-hmm. and then back to me and i go god damn it this is not how i planned it mm-hmm. and that'll be the first time I'm, i've ever said anything close to a cuss word in a streetlight song wow but it was always just like that's, that's how filthy of you yeah i know i truly conflicted uh <laughs> i just it, it was always just a challenge to like one i'm not trying to turn off anybody if i don't have to and two it's just a challenge to say find words otherwise i'm hmm. not going to rely on swear words i'm going to find the other words to fully express the seinfeld myself. approach yeah and, the, and then with the, the ill it was like the, nah. i don't want the cheap laugh i want to i want to figure out how the fuck uh that that i can just do this on the merits of the idea yeah totally i mean if you want to say you know fuck this i mean it's punk rock i'm not going super deep i'm just going to find sure. the other words to do it and so um, anyways, to be playing all these songs, I know dad can't super dis, you know, he's got old guy ears and, uh, <laughs> this music is far too fast and yeah, but then that means the only words he is hearing is fuck. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. The only <laughs> thing that he can pull out. So, you know, but, uh, dad knows that, um, that I'm a good guy and everything else in my life is shows that i'm a good guy so what i say in songs isn't an indicator of anything and he's my dad and he loves me blah 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 and so to be <laughs> saying all this stuff in front of him is really funny because i never talk like that in front of him um i got songs about just, drugs so i'm talking about drugs you know and i'm like oh dad here's a list of all the things i've ever done i've never told you about any of well, these <laughs> you said that to me when we hopped off stage you're like so i just uh listed off all the drugs i've done for my dad for the first time i was like <laughs> Dude, that song came out nine years ago. I okay, know, but you, I doubt he's You're heard not it. revealing something I know. right now, you fucking weirdo. Uh, and uh, But he, standing in the audience, he, he was just really enjoying himself. I think the whole thing, there was a lot of friends there. It felt really good. It was a really good energy. And then he's having fun. He's looking at us, and we're smiling and having a good time with each other. <laughs> And uh, the people in the audience are all having fun. And then Giggity. you got these people up front who are rapping along with our stuff. And it just kind of occurs to him, like, all these people are, are appreciating something that my son and his friend made together. Yeah. You know, they're really liking something that they created. And I don't, you know, if, if he ever witnessed anything like that, it, it probably would have been like Streetlight Days. Yeah. And... uh and so, yeah, he was just having this proud daddy moment uh, 
like look at my son doing what he really loves and uh you know and getting that kind of feedback from the people and stuff and then he had phone calls with him like two days after that and man i just thought that was so cool the other (laughs) night so (laughs) thanks dad that's awesome man Uh, this dude i was telling you about derek we connected over facebook after he posted a an old video of a, a high school show at the grange what he show uh epd and nice. 800 octane alter ego cool uh, yeah and and it kind of got me digging through all, all of my old footage which i i will not talk about yet mm-hmm. but you you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. and um so that's another project but this dude derek friendship perks came to the show to film it and he's going to use me for this uh documentary short that he's doing in uh, film school and he came over here the day after to do my interviews. Why do I still have headphones on? I don't know. Ugh. But he came over the day after the show to shoot the interview here. And, and he was like, man, just being up front the whole time and seeing everybody knows every word. Like, hmm. that was so cool, man. He's like, I haven't probably been to a show since one of yours back in high school, man. Yeah. He's like, that was amazing. And it's it's cool because we get so jaded and so used to you know, granted that night was special and it was positive and it was a great vibe all yeah. around. But to see it through other people's eyes who are not used to all these shows, totally. you know, and maybe haven't seen you play for, you know, five people at Lucky's at one thirty in the morning and, sure. you know, the shitty nights or whatever. You're just seeing people walk in and go, wow, this is what you do? Like, awesome. You know, and like. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So I just wanted to wrap this up by saying thank you, whether you are a a new fan or an old one who's been waiting for a long time. We're sorry to leave you hanging, but we're grateful to everybody who who supported the show and who supported the new record. You know, I, I usually don't actually even take money for digital stuff, but like, honestly, I worked my ass off to get this thing done in time, and I was like... I'm just going to set $5. We sold a couple downloads. Nice. And that's cool. And, you know, I'll drop it off, I'm sure, in time. But um, I I appreciate you guys who actually contributed because that stuff, uh, you know, did take a lot of time. It's something that we've wanted to get out there for a long time as well. So, And if you haven't listened yet, please do. Yeah. Take92.com. Likewise, I would like to thank everybody for their support and feedback for all the years. Like, I can hardly believe it's even been this long. Every couch we slept on and... Yeah, I mean, for everything, you know, tour, for meals, for showers, for floors to sleep on and stuff. And then, you know, love from artists and friends and fans around home. That stuff is is everything. I'm sure that we would do this regardless, but I don't think that people realize the impact they have. Some of it's straight up pocketbook you bought my car i mean you didn't buy my car but <laughs> but uh you know that stuff is um you made my credit card yeah you see like. yeah exactly you see <laughs> you see the effects of that kind of support but um but a lot of that you know encouragement or feedback or kind words or you rapping back at shows shows that you listened enough times oh, to learn my the, stuff that's like singing everything. along man is so good and like the singing along is just as good as some stranger being like, oh, do you guys want to crash with me tonight? I'm like, fucking hey, mm. I am not alone in this world. Yeah, totally. You know, I might have a hot shower. That's possibly. And you get out and they're cooking for you. You're like, 
what planet did you come oh, from? Oh my god. Who made you? You yeah. know, like just it just restores my faith in humanity any way you slice it. Uh, all all the people who have contributed to love you our guys success and and helped us whether we were up or down. It means a lot. Yep. All right, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to play you out with one of the new songs at full volume so you can hear it properly. First, I just want to say thank you again. If you're feeling the show, it means a lot that we keep growing this thing through word of mouth. If you could share the podcast, give us a good rating on iTunes, give us a review. Any of that stuff will help it be seen. If you want to check out Digital Purgatory or any of my other projects, please support. Go to Take92.com. Right now, I'm producing multiple music videos. I'm getting my next book edited and ready for manufacture. I've got a tour in the works, and I'm preparing my next album. So any of those contributions will help these number of projects get off the ground that I'm trying to bring to you in 2018. I'm going to leave you with this track called The Love, featuring Ogar Burl. Triple digit discography Did about as much as a degree in philosophy Probably cost more too Not an obligation but something I gotta do I don't owe it to you to keep playing I do it for me, must go without saying The success and acclaim isn't quantified You oughta buy the record but you wanna try Spotify I'm 30 something now Always kinda thought I'd be something now I'm ashamed of the strain of my marriage But I'm more embarrassed that I had to borrow from my parents I'm staring at the ceiling and I'm clinging to this feeling That apparently I'll never be the thing that I believed in Now it's within my reach, practically right there Chasing a dream like I'm escaping a nightmare For the stars, but it wasn't in the cards. Die's been cast, the time is past. Put 16 years in, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Don't bank on lady luck, lesson learned. Ready by the stop style, skin still burning. Yearning for a time that the tide turns. Fixated on the thought that if I only work hard, play hard, I'll be a legend on the road. Large, large, will I be damned? They don't hear no evil, see no evil. Where my people at? Is it too much to ask for a life I'd love before I fade to black? I put all my pain in every verse and pray someday they may know my worth. Every time it starts slipping, I'm reminded that it's part of my life Like a religion, so I strive for precision while I ride With the rhythm, keeping eyes on the mission, no surprise I'm getting the prize at the end of the road, a bucket of gold Sometimes you're better off saying fuck it, I'm told The rougher the road, the more that you might learn For the fork, I anticipate a right turn Before I speak, I situate the mic just so And get the beat up in my ear, try to get the right flow And who really needs more than trying to kick rhymes? It'll send your soul or when it rains, it pours And when it shines, it scorches I found that it's more than just finding fortune It's following the vibe that'll follow you home If I can't find the love, I'ma make my own